Welcome to ADHD is over, a new podcast on a seemingly old label that we're going to be peeling off. Join my wife, Tatiana, and I as we journey with our family, the Wyden family, through the land of confusing information. We're going to visit both sides and let you decide because the power is with you. Welcome to ADHD is over. Hello, hello, dear friends, and welcome back to our podcast. Welcome. I say welcome because I am floored this week again by how many listeners tune in from other countries. You know, when you live in a country as big as the United States, or if you're in Canada or China, Russia, you know, you live in a big country, then you're in a big country. That's your country. And yes, you are aware, I am aware of other countries out there, but it's always so refreshing to see that other people from other countries around the world tune in to listen to our podcast. So I want to just take a minute here to acknowledge those of you, those listeners tuning in from other countries interested in what we have to say around ADHD. So of course, the United States, Canada, United Kingdom and Australia, those are our main countries. Well, I don't want to say special thanks to Switzerland, Sweden, France, New Zealand, Germany, Netherlands, Nigeria, Japan, Vietnam, Denmark, Spain, Israel, Ireland, Mexico, United Arab Emirates, Turkey, Ukraine, Faroe Islands, Trinidad and Tobago. This is just last week and it really touches my heart that people from those countries from all around the world are interested to see what our perspective is around ADHD. So welcome back or welcome for the first time to this podcast called ADHD is over. We are a podcast attempting to shift perspectives. We are not a coping tips giving hang on to this so-called disorder for life kind of podcast. This is not camp coping or AKA hoping to live a good life. This is camp thriving, thriving in life. Life is never perfect. There's ups and downs, but thriving means be, being fully in charge, responsible, powerful in life, creative, and taking it all on with a smile. And when the smile is missing, there's a trust, there's a faith, in that things will work out. That's thriving. Thriving is not outsourcing anything. Thriving is inward sourcing. There's a big difference. And we'll get into that today. This episode just felt that it wanted to be called healing an inside job. So again, welcome. If this is your first time, this isn't so much one of those podcasts where you want to take notes. Now you can, but this isn't taking notes on tips or the latest, uh, you know, uh, strategies or supplements or any of that. Sometimes we mention those. Sometimes we don't. This is not what that is about. We are here to give you an alternative view on ADHD. By alternative, we don't mean the hippie kind of granola you know, taking only supplements and doing more exercise and hoping things will go away. 
That's not what we're talking about. Alternative goes much deeper in our sense, which is, since we're talking about healing, that we all have the power, the sovereign power. Each one of us has the power to heal anything, especially our own body. Our own body houses our mind, our psychology. And so we are here to say that we believe, and you don't have to believe this, but we believe, based on having spoken to hundreds of experts, that the body can heal itself. And when we say itself, it does require you, the body's driver, so to say, the soul or the persona or the the psycho-spiritual being inside of your body still needs to drive where this is all going in terms of healing. So again, this episode is called Healing an Inside Job. Let's get started. Shall we get comfortable? If you're driving, make sure you're paying attention to the road. If you're doing other things like cooking or taking care of a child, please don't burn your food or don't drop your child. We don't want to be responsible for that. But we do have some pretty compelling things to talk about. And today, I wanted to talk about healing. What is healing, first of all? You know, oftentimes when we, when we hear about it, right, we hear the word healing. I mean, really, really look at what it means to you, right? I'm just, I'm just looking up the definition. I mean, if you're new to this podcast, this isn't all pre-planned and you know, I don't have a, a list of bullets or things that I talk about. This is, unless I have a guest, this is me free-flowing with the topic of today, of the day, when it occurs intuitively inside my psycho-spiritual being. And so sometimes I do things on the fly, a lot of times. So let's talk, let's, I just typed it in, healing. What is healing? It's curing, curative, restorative, soothing, the act or process of making or becoming whole, sound or well. Cure, the means of making whole. Let's hang with that. Because here's the thing. The other side of the ADHD debate, which is mainly spearheaded by Russell Barkley and company. If you are not aware of Russell Barkley, please Google him. He's a, um, a leader in the sort of ADHD debate. And he certainly has written his books and articles and has given his talks. And, you know, um, he is in what we call camp coping. He believes that children are the problem, that their brains are defect, and they, they need to be helped mostly by stimulant, you know, medication. That's camp coping. And when we look at the word healing, the act or process of making or becoming whole you could say, well, Russell Barkley and team, they do want these children to become whole, sound and well. That seems to be their motive. But we're here to say that when we look at the act or process of making or becoming whole, sound or well, unfortunately, there's a staggering amount of scientific evidence that points at stimulant medication to be the source of many side effects of many damaged children, brains, developmental 
uh, stages are affected and so forth. There is a staggering amount of evidence and that is not to be ignored. Dear parents, please do not simply listen to one expert or two experts or three books that say medications are safe and effective. I'm not going to do a, a little detour here to COVID because I could. I believe that we are dealing with certain um, situations, certain viruses, certain behaviors that we now call symptoms in life, yes. And sometimes medications can be good band-aids for a while, necessary, yes. We're not anti-meds. I'm not anti-vaccines. But we are here to point out that the so-called science cannot be blindly trusted because unfortunately, lots of our science is pseudoscience. And it's not clear always. So therefore, all we're asking you to do is to listen to many sides, not just to one side. If you're just listening to one side, that would be like me not knowing anything about the opposition, the other side of the debate on ADHD, and just saying, oh, this just feels right. Yes, this does feel right, the movement, ADHD is over, to me. But I've done seven years of research on both sides. And there's even, you know, you could say other smaller sides of the debate that I've also looked into. So all we're saying is be informed. For example, there was a um, Time Magazine article, I believe um, I can look it up for you real quick. I believe it was in 2016. Um, giving you that info in just a second. The Time article is called Six Questions to Ask Yourself Before Putting Your Kid on ADHD Medication. It was actually published in 2016, written by Leonard Sachs. He is a, uh, um, you know, he's got a PhD in psychology and he, he's an MD, family practitioner. Um, he He's got four, I believe, four books out, Why Gender Matters, Boys Adrift, Girls on the Edge, and The Collapse of Parenting. Those are the ones mentioned in Time Magazine. Now, what's interesting in the article, and I highly uh, invite you to read this article, Six Questions to Ask Yourself Before Putting Your Kid on ADHD Medication. That article, by the way, is also published on our Facebook page. It's at ADHD is over on Facebook. And um, one of the things that stuck out to me is, first of all, the article said that American kids are now much more likely to be diagnosed and treated for ADHD than kids in any other country. It's, it goes on to say, for example, a teenager in the United States is now nearly four times more likely to be on medication for ADHD than a teenager, say, in the United Kingdom. Now, it goes on to say that's especially of concern because of research showing um, that, uh, we'll just say one thing I left out, but he, he makes a point about, you know, uh, that medication has become the first resort for almost any child who's struggling in school. So then he says, that's especially of concern because of research showing that these medications for ADHD may affect the developing brain in significant ways. There then is a link to more information from Leonard Sachs saying that there's now substantial published evidence. Remember, this is in uh, uh, back, uh, we're, we're talking years ago, right? Um, to, let's see here. 
Um, just so I'm not giving you the wrong information. Uh, yeah, 2016, right? So this is now five years ago that he's linked to this information. It says, there is now substantial published evidence which suggests that stimulant medications such as Adderall, Vyvanse, Concerta, Metadate, Focalin, and Daytrana may damage the nucleus accumbens, the motivational center of the brain. And then he uh, uh, pretty much provides the evidence which supports that statement. You can look all this up either on leonardsachs.com forward slash ADHD dot HTM. Or like I said, if you Google Time Magazine article, Leonard Sachs, six questions to ask yourself before putting your kid on ADHD medication. I highly recommend you read the entire article and you also read uh, all the links that um, all the studies he's linked to. It's not that many studies. I know a lot of you are busy. Um, so going back to the healing, right? In essence, what he's pointing to is that when we say, you know, as I shared with you, what, what, the, what the definition is, right, um, of healing, when we look at that and say, well, a process to get whole, sound, and well, then we have to say, hold on, medications with those kind of sound effects, therefore, are not going to be leading to becoming whole and well. So in essence, our claim is that when we outsource the healing, we take a risk. And trust me, there's great medications, great healing mechanism strategies, and so forth that are out there for when we absolutely need them, like, like need them, you know, you're somewhere in the middle of the street dying. And if the paramedic doesn't have a certain kind of medication, when they pick you up, you might actually die. So that medication is given and you survive. And then there's, you have some painkillers for a few weeks, months, and then you're off of it. Right. Those kind of, as we call them emergencies, the urgency, right? It's needed at that time or you will die. I believe those medications we've created for those moments are brilliant, needed, and great if that person wants to survive, which I would imagine most of us want to survive, right? But in the case of ADHD, when we medicate children as early as three, that's correct, three, four, five, six, seven years old, when we medicate them with these powerful stimulant drugs, by the way, you've heard me say this before, they are pretty much um, as, you know, strong, potentially as powerful, right? They're a schedule two drug, like cocaine, meth, and so forth. And you can look this up on, on the app. Uh, FDA, on the FDA site, these drugs are Schedule 2. Make no mistakes. Schedule 2 drugs are Schedule 2 because they have the potential to be addictive. And I know there's 
those of you that have talked to me in the past that say, yeah, but those are given in small doses and da 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 da. Yes. And still, I will remind you, it is a Schedule II drug. It has the power, the potential to damage your children's brains. Will it? We don't know. Can it? Yes. Has it to many children before? Absolutely. Thousands. You can look this up. Usually it's well hidden, but it's out there. That information is out there. So again, when we say, I want to help my child heal from ADHD, then what we're talking about is the most authentic way to do the healing, the act or process of making or becoming whole, sound or well, right, for your child is actually an inside job. What do I mean by that? So externally, we have psychiatrists, psychologists, doctors that prescribe strategies, treatments, therapies, and medication. That's external, right? That comes from the outside into your family, to you, the parent, and your child, and then the child's brain or body, psycho-spiritual body. So what's an inside job? Very simple. An inside job can refer to inside of the family, also inside of the parent and inside of the child. And all of them are needed for what we call healing. And I've said this before, I, I don't like to use the word healing because it does have a, a kind of a, a spiritual connotation. Also, you know, if we're healing something, we're saying there is something wrong or a disease or a wound or something. I'm really only using it more psychologically, not so much physically healing a brain, although that is a result of the psychological, the spiritual healing that we believe can shift someone's body, brain, mind, and so forth to heal. And only what we call healing, it's healing from the friction, the unwelcomed friction that's between a child and his or her environment. So when we're saying healing ADHD, we don't actually mean that because if you've been, if you've been listening to some of our previous episodes, to us, ADHD is not a disorder. It is a label, a set of four letters, abbreviations, right? Of an abbreviation of a made up disorder that is meant to describe a set of symptoms, which really are more behaviors. So we're more we're of the belief that what we're healing are certain behaviors that the child shows due to the friction in, the, in their environment. They're acting out. And we've heard Gabor Mate say this, that children act out because at a young age, they don't have the language to describe what's going on inside of their minds. They don't have the language to speak up and say, this is crossing a boundary. Often they don't have the courage, they don't have the age, the maturity, or the language to stop an adult from doing, from committing something against them. Or just simply from, you know, to tell an, an adult or a set of parents that 
he or she would like peace in the home or love or nurture. They don't have the language at an early age. They don't have the maturity. So what do they do? They act it out just like a pantomime, just like somebody who's like screaming. It's because they, like a baby, doesn't have the language to express itself, her, him, it, whatever, whatever you go with nowadays, go with the flow. Don't get offended. Just own who you are. Slight side note, but back to the healing. So these children, really all they want from their parents, from us, I speak for myself. I have two children, two boys, nine and 12. All they want is for us, the parents to make their experience called family, childhood, life as peaceful and safe as possible. That's what they want. That's what every human being on this planet wants. Ultimately, safety and peace. Out of that, everything else can grow. It's fertile ground. So, When these children don't have safety and peace in their environment, i.e. their family, school, friends, community, and so forth, when that's missing, there's friction. They will act out. They will show symptoms. Well, their behaviors, but we will then label them as symptoms, then label it as a disorder, then make it a problem, and then try to fix that problem, usually with medication and other therapies. So that's the fix it. Again, do you see how fast, how fast in this example I went from, there's friction in the environment to medication or therapies. How fast did I go from inside to outside? How fast did I go from internal issue to externally fixing it? And that's why I wanted to do an episode around this, that healing truly is an inside job. When a family can turn inside, and I know lots of us, lots of you have had this opportunity during COVID, during our lockdowns, staying home for a year, year and a half, uh, you know, we've had the opportunity to go inside and I hope you have. And if you haven't, take my word for it. Please take my word for it. When you still have months to go, I believe this is still going to linger for six months to a year. You still have time to turn inward. And what does that mean? What's the inside job, Roman, you might say? For this, you might want to take notes. You don't have to. You can re-listen to it. But the inside job is to look at every area of your family's life That includes your marriage. If you're divorced, that includes the relationship with your divorced spouse. If you're not married or divorced, if you're just in a relationship but have children, then it includes that relationship. It includes the parenting style. Is it conscious or unconscious? If you're not familiar with that, Google conscious parenting. Um, It includes nutrition, diet. It includes the financial status of the family. It includes the geographic location. Where do you live? In a city near nature or not, no nature. It includes the school that your children attend. What kind of school is it? Is the school right for your children? 
or is the school right for your vision for your children, meaning that you want them to go to some Ivy League school, so therefore you put them in a school that you know leads to that Ivy League school, yet your child doesn't like the school, right? You have to be really honest. Again, the inside job, an inside job implies that you have to use the, the most amount of honesty you ever have, authenticity in all areas of life, to look at every area and to see how that area might have still quite a bit of friction there so that your child doesn't feel safe or at peace. And, you know, life is not always safe and at peace. It's up and down, like I said before, but for the most part, right? So you have to look at every area. Spiritual is another one. Uh, like I said, exercise, well-being, uh, diet, all plays a role. So all these areas need to literally like spring cleaning, need to be lifted up, dusted off, shaken, thrown up in the air, and carefully analyzed on how much friction might that area contribute to the friction that your child or your children experience in their lives. And man, is that a really thorough and hard job you have to do when you make healing an inside job. But let me tell you something, the gifts that come out of that process are beyond what you can right now imagine. There are gifts waiting for you and coming towards you and your family, your spouse, your children, that you had no idea about. And it ain't always going to look pretty from the beginning. But when you work through it all with authenticity, with courage, with, will, with a willingness, to get to the other side. I can report from the front lines, from the other side, or at least seeing the other side now, I can tell you that it's really bright and beautifully fulfilling and thriving on that side. And that is what I am here to report. And that's why I wanted to make an episode about that healing is an inside job. When healing becomes an outside job, an external, I call it a dependence, whether it's on medication or experts or specialists or, you know, support, it becomes like a crutch for your child, like a crutch for their brain. And not only will they continue thinking that there's something wrong with their brain and therefore themselves and that they're broken and not normal, but they will also become dependent on those crutches and they will not be able to walk on their own down, you know, fast forward. When they're older, they will become dependent adults. And now let me just say something. We're already a society of dependent adults when it comes to relationships due to our, you know, lack of nurture or style of parenting that our parents brought to us and so forth. We're already very dependent creatures. So adding another dependency to a child like that, I could just tell you that's a recipe for creating an addict, an addiction. And another side note, I would say 95% of the population are addicted to something. We're all addicts. We're either addicted to alcohol or drugs or shopping or food, sex, love. And here's the thing, folks, we are mostly 
addicted. And unfortunately, this is highly celebrated in our society is that addiction to work. And I'm just going to leave that here. You know, when people say, oh, I'm a workaholic, ha ha ha, yeah, just I'm so busy. That's an addiction. Now, this is not an episode around addiction. So I just wanted to say that, that 95% of the population is addicted to something. And only about 30% of the population of those 95% is actually looking at it and working at it actively to recover from those addictions. The rest of us continue in this hamster wheel, this illusion of having to grab stuff before there's no, no more stuff left because there's not enough. And this selfish drive to survive on this planet, to not die, which is not living. That's where most of us are stuck in. And I think that is also a reason why these external, these outside healing sources seem so attractive to us because then we don't have to do the work. Someone else is going to do the work, the medication, the therapist, you know, the teacher, the special ed teacher. And we never have to look at our own lives and our own selves. And what I'm here to say is the most challenging, the hardest thing to ever do, not just as a parent, but as a human being, but especially as a parent with a child that supposedly has this disorder, the hardest and most challenging thing that you will ever do is make healing an inside job. And the most rewarding thing you will ever do is the same healing an inside job. So it is challenging, but it's also the most rewarding. And look, if you're still committed to making healing or treatment of your child an outside job and outsource it, that's your choice. I'm not pointing no finger. I just wanted to make a podcast that gives parents both sides. And you can Google just ADHD and you will get the Russell Barkley-led camp coping side on the first two, three pages. But as you dig deeper, as you look for books that are critical of ADHD, and why would you not? Why would you buy the first narrative just because it's the first narrative on the first few pages of your Google search and it's the loudest narrative, which usually implies there's the most money, because to make that bullhorn loud in our media and our advertising, you need money. And the alternative side, the people that are critical of, of how psychiatry treats this disorder, treats children, does not have as much money because there's no pharma money behind it. And this is not an anti pharma ad, this is to say, follow the money. Friend of mine recently said, rule number one, follow the money. Rule number two, repeat rule number one, follow the money. And as parents, if your child or your children have been diagnosed with this so-called disorder, why would you not dig at least that deep? And you don't have to go that deep to soon see the connections, to connect those dots and see that Most people peddle this idea. Most experts say that healing should be an outside job. It should be an external source that you should go to as the parent to quote unquote, fix your child. We're here to say that's bullshit. That's not true. 
There are some extreme cases where we said before, yes, medication may be a good band-aid, but even in extreme cases, I guarantee you there was extreme fiction, sorry, <laughs> fiction too, but there was extreme friction in that child's environment, in that child's family, environment, childhood. So still, it's not a disorder. No one can have ADHD. You can't have a thing that nine people made up in a room years ago as an abbreviated, excuse me, label. You can't have that. What you can have is certain behaviors that these experts label as symptoms that then fits into that description. But you can't actually have it. If I cut you open, you don't have a thing. It's not like having a tumor or a blood you know, cell. You can't have it. People always fight me on this. I have ADHD. No, you don't have ADHD. You can't have it. What are you talking about? Don't tell me my struggle isn't real. I always say, no, the struggle is real. I never say that. I don't deny anyone's struggle. Your struggle's your struggle. Those are real. But the label to describe them, the struggle, the symptoms, is made up. And we have to just look at this black and white. There's no, yeah, but you're saying it's not, it's not, it doesn't exist. Well, no, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. ADHD exists as a label. But the disorder, the condition, the medical condition called ADHD, it doesn't exist. What exists is how you act in life as a response to your environment. Yeah, that's real. I can come over with a camera and, and film you for a few hours or your son or daughter, and we can look at that. And what we see is not ADHD. You wouldn't go like, oh, uh, pause it right there. See that, that thing right there? That's ADHD. No, you can't. You could do that if you cut someone open and film it and freeze and see a cyst. A friend of mine recently had a cyst in his uh, lower back and had to have surgery. Um, and, you know, they took a photo of it and they're like, here's the cyst. Okay. You cannot do that with ADHD and many other mental disorders. And by the way, that's our whole point. Is that, that, that way of, of, uh, pathologizing our children with something that doesn't exist is just, it's not right. Now we can still help these children change their behaviors, but not inside of the context, something's wrong with that child. No, stop. First, let's analyze everything in the environment. And I have many friends and, and experts and therapists who do that with families who say that Treating a child with ADHD or so-called ADHD is basically marriage therapy for the parents, assuming they're still together, right? In that case, or relate parent parental relationship therapy. Peter Bregan, who we recently interviewed, um, Marilyn Wedge as well, you know, they both have seen this for over 40 years, that it's never the child that's the problem never is. It's either the wrong school, the marriage is not working, there's violence in the household, there was a divorce, the child does not feel safe and at peace for most of his day, his life. That is what causes children to act out and not 
to, to not be able to pay attention. That's what literally can rewire their brain. So when experts say, yeah, but uh, we did studies and when we see the brain, it's different from someone who doesn't have ADHD. Yeah, because that child does not have enough friction in their environment for them to have these behaviors. So it's not proof just because you have a brain scan to say, oh, look, the ADHD uh, brain of this child looks different than this non-ADHD. Yeah, of course, duh. First of all, does every brain of every child look the same? No, absolutely not. There is no normal brain. As one of our other experts, um, Thomas Armstrong says, show me a normal brain. Where is it? Is it somewhere under a bell jar in a laboratory? And that's the normal one and we should measure all other ones up against that one? I don't think so. Now we got a little sidetracked here. But again, the point is simple. The inside job is our job, parents. It is our job to stop now. If your child's been, you know, recently diagnosed, it's your job to get so fucking honest with yourself and your spouse or your partner even if it's a divorced partner, to be so honest to start removing the friction in the environment. And this is what we call, in the book we're writing, the second step, three easy steps on thriving as a family. And uh, once, first one is shift your perspective. That's why we do the podcast. Number two, this is what we're talking about, heal your shit. And that's directed to the parents. Third is honor your child. Every child is unique. You must find out where your child thrives and where he or she does not. And that includes school, friends, diet, video games, sleep, exercise, and so forth, right? Everything has to be looked at. That's what the inside job entails. The job description literally says... We made it up, but it says all those things has to be improved. If the marriage is not working, has to be improved. If you as a parent, you get triggered by your child because they're too hyper to do this or that, got to work on those triggers. They're not your child's triggers. They're your triggers. Your child pushes the buttons, but the trigger is ours. So we have to work on this, whether it's a workshop, a therapist, no matter what, if we're not actively working on all areas of our lives constantly, then we are literally, literally contributing to the behaviors of our children that are labeled as a disorder. They are not the problem. Children are not the problem. Children are not broken Children are not born with a disorder. The environment is what actually brings out those behaviors in them. And if you haven't heard our episode with Dr. Bruce Lipton, there is no ADHD gene, you really need to listen to this. It is scientifically proven that the environment can turn on or off certain genes. It's called epigenetics, the study of that field. And, you know, as parents, you're sold this lie that, oh, ADHD is genetic. It's not genetic. 
meaning it's not predetermined. At best, it's predisposed. But no one is born with ADHD. It does not exist as a thing one can be born with. There is no ADHD gene. There's just not. So parents, if you're listening to this episode, take it to heart that you have the power to heal your child's behaviors if those behaviors cause friction in your family. And again, I'll read the definition of healing. The act or process of making or becoming whole, sound, or well. So you, the parent, are responsible. I'm adding this to your job and mine, job description as parents. We are responsible of making or becoming whole, first of all, ourselves as parents, making ourselves whole, becoming whole, which means we got to heal our own shit that comes from our parenting, from our parents' parenting. So before we, do, before we do that, if we don't do that, we can't have the same act or process make or have become our children whole, sound, or well. We have the key to healing our children from those behaviors that cause friction in their environment. And that's why I say healing is an inside job. And actually, I'll take it one step further, is that the responsible thing to do is to heal from inside of the individual, the parent, the family, that's the responsible thing to do. The irresponsible thing to do is to outsource the healing because that is not taking responsibility. And this is not fault or blame as it's often miscast as that. It's not fault or blame, but it is our responsibility, our ability to respond powerfully to this. That's an inside job. That's being responsible. Being irresponsible is saying, well, yeah, nothing I can do. It's not, no problems over here. It's just my child's brain. So I'm going to go get a therapist and uh, get some medication and we're good. That's the irresponsible thing to do. Not wrong. If you're listening to this and you're totally triggered that I just called you irresponsible, I did not. I simply said that it's an irresponsible thing to do to outsource the healing. It's the responsible thing to do to do it as an inside job. And if you're triggered, look at that. Anytime I'm triggered, I got to see where this comes from because it's my trigger. Because I don't want to be constantly triggered by other people in my environment saying things. The power lies in being able to hear people's ex expression of their opinions, their anger, even their insults, and be like, okay, I got it. That's what you think. All right. But only a person that's actively working on themselves, that's healing their own shit, can get there. And you know, I'm, I'm amazed, and this is kind of a last side note here. I'm, I'm amazed how politically correct nowadays we have to be. And I'm just going to use the gender nouns as a, pronouns as, a, as an example when I now see on Zoom calls, I see people writing their names and then in parentheses it says he, his, him, 
you know, the pronouns to say, I identify as a man, I identify as a woman. That's all great. That's fine. What I want to put is N-E-O, which stands for not easily offended. You can call me whatever the fuck you want. I know who I am. I don't need external validation or I don't need to know that you have figured out what my gender identification is or my sex, sexual identification and so forth. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. If it offends us, if it triggers us, that is our trigger. That is not coming from the outside. What's coming from the outside is what I call life. People express themselves how they want to, when they want to. And the only power we have is not to force people into obedience on how to address them. The power we have is to not let it affect us. And to, and to just say, for example, if somebody calls you the wrong, the wrong gender now, pronoun or whatever, to just say, actually, you know, I'm, I'm identifying as a woman. Uh, so if you wouldn't mind calling me uh, her, she, you know, thank you. And there doesn't have to be a hostility. There doesn't have to be a blame. There doesn't have to be any kind of put down in there at all whatsoever. Because if there is, again, it's a trigger. And I'm bringing this example up because it's the same thing out there with ADHD, medication, and so forth. If you as a parent, if you've decided that you're going to medicate your child, then do it and stand by it and be fully informed and own it. But if anyone ever says that they don't believe in medication, if you still get triggered, it just means you don't own it. It simply means that you made a decision, not based on owning it, fully standing behind it, but that you're still unsure whether you took the right route. So when the moment somebody questions it, you have to defend it. And that's as simple as that. So whichever direction you turn, medication, no medication, Label, no label, you know, diagnosis, no diagnosis, whichever direction you choose, just own it, but own it with enough research and knowledge. Listen to both or all the sides you can get your hands on. When people say, oh, it's just the critics that listen to them, not because they're right or wrong, but because you want to, it's like you want to feed your internal guidance system, your intuition. You want to feed it both sides and let it decide. That's the only way to ever say, I made a call. I chose this wholeheartedly. I believe it. I felt it. I feel good with that decision. There is no other way. If you're blindfolded on one side and you're just taken in one side only, and you don't listen to any of the critics because that size tells you not to listen to critics. And by the way, whichever side ever tells you not to listen to the critics, that is a red flag. That is a red flag that you're listening to the side that thinks already they're right. And especially in this case, this is a big consideration because science isn't supposed to take sides early on, just like Russell Barkley and co did in 2002, when they wrote the international consensus on ADHD. And they said, the debate is over. Stop questioning us. ADHD is a disorder. Medication is the most effective. And that's what it is. Science is in. Stop questioning it. Actually, that's not science. That's not how the principle of science is supposed to work. So just 
you know, take note of those things. Don't brush over those things. Don't just go, well, yeah, but they have the most studies and it says Harvard and da da da. Question everything because you're talking about your child's brain and your child's future. You owe it to your children to go deeper than the first two pages of the Google search. That's what we're saying. Healing is an inside job. Thank you for listening again. For all of you that stay till the end, for tuning in, for sharing this podcast, we definitely love your passion. We love that you listen in, that you come back for more episodes. And we have some goody, goody, goody ones coming up in the near future. Some really amazing experts, good insights. The documentary film is moving forward and so is the book. And by mid next year, all of it should be out in the world. So please come back to ADHD's Over. Thanks for listening. Have an amazing life. Until next time. Cheers.